Hi, welcome to Which Witch is Witch, a pop culture podcast about ladies who use magic. I'm Regina. And I'm Derek. And today we decided we want to be a little more upbeat than last time. Last episode got a little dark, a little vengeful, a little heavy. And also there was this presidential election since we last recorded and the world's a much darker place than it used to be. So we wanted to brighten things up a little bit. So today we are talking about adorable kid witches. Happy, fun kid witches from movies of our youth. So tell me, Derek, what kid witch did you bring to the table today? I was so inspired last time when you talked about one of your favorite movies about witchcraft from 1996 that I looked at another movie about magical powers from 1996, the film Matilda. The Wormwoods were so wrapped up in their own silly lives that they barely noticed they had a daughter. Had they paid any attention to her at all, they'd have realized she was a rather extraordinary child. Oh my gosh, Matilda, now look what you did! They named her Matilda. So Matilda Wormwood is the main character in Matilda, which was a popular book by Roald Dahl, an even more popular movie directed by Danny DeVito, and a slightly less popular Broadway musical, if only because Broadway musicals rarely get the same cultural awareness as feature films that get played on basic cable over and over again for years. Except for probably Hamilton. Are there witches in Hamilton? I'm not, I'm, I'm too poor to go see Hamilton. Are there witches? I mean, the case could be made for the Schuyler sisters, I'm sure. Behold these truths to be Matilda is a very bright young girl who grows up with a loud and crass family who think that learning is dumb and children are dumb and anything that doesn't give them instant gratification is dumb. She goes to a school where the principal also hates kids and enjoys physically torturing them because that's the ideal quality in an educator. <laughs> <laughs> also, she can move things around with her mind. Matilda, not the principal. That's kind of important. Uh, maybe I should have mentioned that earlier. All right. So let's get into the to the laws of witchiness. The first law is, does this witch identify as female? Uh, yes. Matilda is a sweet little lady. She wears dresses and ribbons in her hair. Refreshingly, though, the story has little or nothing to do with her gender. When her father, and later on her principal, talk down to her, they say, I'm smart, you're dumb. I'm big, you're little. I'm right, you're wrong. And there's nothing you can do about it. It's never about gender or even age, though either one could have been brought up considering how shallow those arguments were. Matilda's femininity has next to nothing to do with the story, except that a young girl wanting to read is inherently more sympathetic than a young boy wanting to read. As a person who works in children's publishing, I can tell you that young ladies are often our target market because of that very thing. There's a chicken and egg thing happening here too, I think a little bit, because market research has shown us that young women tend to be the greater consumers of books than young men. And I think partially that's because of patriarchy, but that's a different, that's a different podcast. I think it's this podcast. Or maybe it is the same podcast. Okay, it's the same podcast. Um, so the second law of witchiness is, uh, does the witch in question practice magic? And I think you mentioned that she moves stuff with her mind. Yes, Matilda demonstrates an inherent skill for telekinesis, which is the ability to move things around with her mind. In the film, at least, this is usually done by looking at the object and making some 
some sort of gesture, either with her face or her finger. Although this is sometimes abandoned, like there's one occasion where she dances around the living room while playing cards and poker chips swirl all around her. It would be impractical for her to point and gesture at each and every one of those, so they just don't do it. In the book, she sometimes will also recite the action she wants to take, like when she tells the glass of water to tip over onto her principal, but that could just as easily be her encouraging herself the way we'll often say, like, ooh, do the thing I'm trying to do right now. She also says tip over to the glass in the movie, but that's only when she wants to recreate the moment for her teacher and it doesn't work. The third law of witchiness is, uh, does the witch in question practice feminism? So while the majority of Matilda's struggle is focused against the unfair tyranny of adults who undervalue education, creativity, and children in general, there's an important moment in the film that draws a line in the sand for feminism. Matilda's mother says to Miss Honey, Look, Miss Snit, a girl does not get anywhere by acting intelligent. I mean, take a look at you and me. You chose books. I chose looks. I have a nice house, a wonderful husband, and you were slaving away teaching snot-nosed children their ABCs. While the speech is directed at Miss Honey, Matilda overhears it, and the two of them are very much parallels of one another throughout the story. So it might as well be directed at Matilda herself. The implication is that a woman's place is to be pretty and get herself a man. By siding with Miss Honey, asserting that education is worthwhile and that having a sense of self independent of others, such as husbands and parents, Matilda scores big points for feminism at large. Go ahead, Matilda. I haven't seen this film in quite a while, and I totally forgot about that, and that sounds really empowering and wonderful. Yeah, it's really the only moment in the film where gender seems to come up at all. So the fourth rule of witchiness is, is the witch persecuted or misunderstood? And that right there is the brunt of the whole story, right? Matilda is very much misunderstood by every adult except for her teacher, Miss Honey, and to a lesser extent, the librarian who gives her books. Right. And she's persecuted by the school principal, Miss Trunchbull, who focuses special aggression against Matilda, both for being a headstrong and outspoken young woman, and as the daughter of the man who sold her a lemon of a car. Matilda is punished for the car breaking down, which she had nothing to do with, just because Miss Trunchbull needs something smaller than her to displace her aggression on. In fact, for the first half of the story, Matilda is only able to summon her powers when she's upset. So whenever her father or Miss Trunchbull start yelling at her, she'll just start moving things around almost accidentally. Hmm. Now, that's that's a really interesting thing in the context of witches in in our culture because often the fear that we have as society of witches is that they're women who have power that is frightening to people and for Matilda to have these big emotions and then being able to transform and channel those emotions into something that as powerful as telekinesis is kind of all of culture's fears about women with power coming to a, almost a comical uh, conclusion. It's, it's really pretty interesting. Yeah, it's a really interesting sort of portrait of women struggling for their own rights. So the fifth law of 
witchiness is, is the witch in question bonded to ascensions? Yeah, probably not. Sure, <laughs> I could make a case for how education is a concept bigger than Matilda herself, and that it is constantly growing and sharing ideas. And so in that sense, education is alive and sentient, but... No, we're not going to do that. Also, Matilda bonds with Miss Honey, and that relationship certainly helps her move forward both in life and with her skills. But Miss Honey is another human, and that's not the type of greater sentience we're talking about. So, no, she's not bonded to a greater sentience. None of that. Hmm. Okay. But she is really interested in education and in learning, right? And probably um, wanting to be independent and to study and i'm gonna bring that point back around when i talk about my witch next yeah i think i know where you might be going with that and i could be wrong <laughs> but there's certainly a case to be made that if matilda wanted to further her powers based on her fondness for reading and education she easily could have after the book ends come across more books about witchcraft and started studying that and then found herself bonded to a sentience and been a wonderful witch in her own right but the story even ends by saying that she basically never used her powers again because she lived happily ever after and she didn't need to use her powers so hmm. yeah she she gets what she wants and that's kind of the end she gets to live the life she always wanted in the end and not necessarily because she had special powers her special powers help her get through her adventure but it's really her education that allows her to live the life she wanted to live. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love this. I love this point. I'm going to go back to it when I talk about my witch. I'm going to bring it back around. This is good. I'm excited. Well, speaking of, it's time to ask you. So, Regina, which kid witch are you talking about today? I'm talking about Kiki from one of my very favorite Miyazaki films, Kiki's Delivery Service. A little girl flew down from the sky on her broomstick. And I was certain she was much too young to hold such an important job as resident witch. <laughs> yes, but I could fly. Kiki barely knows how to do that. And I've had no time to teach her how to mix potions like me. <laughs> Young people are all the same. They all want to do something different. Kiki's Delivery Service is a coming-of-age tale of a young witch named Kiki who is leaving home for the first time as per witch tradition at the age of 13 to strike out on her own and figure out her life as a witch. She travels to a seaside city and ends up working as a delivery girl for a local baker. Kiki goes through struggles, she questions her choices, and she ultimately finds herself and possibly finds love as well. Hooray! Yes, I love Kiki's Delivery Service. I think it was probably the first Studio Ghibli movie I ever saw. Unfortunately, I have not watched it myself in like 15 years. I started to lean much more towards Porco Rosso and Panyo, mm -hmm. but every time I see a Kiki cosplayer at a comic convention my heart just warms up because of my feelings for that story so let's dive right into our rules of witchiness the first rule is that they be female tell me is kiki female yes kiki identifies as female and the interesting thing in this film is that we're given to believe all witches in this universe are female in addition to her mom being a witch we see another witch girl who is a total jerk when Kiki is traveling away from home. And what exactly is your skill? Um, well, I haven't really decided that yet. Ah, 
Well, I'm nearly finished with my training period. I'm going home soon to show off my new skills. That's my town down there. It's so big. Yes, to you, I'm sure it looks big. I hope you don't have too tough a time. Thanks. And the second rule, of course, is that they practice magic. So can you tell me if and how Kiki practices magic? Yeah, Kiki does practice magic. Specifically, she uses her broomstick to fly to the city she settles into and to make her deliveries. It's also understood that she can learn to practice additional magics. In the beginning of the film, her mom mentions that it would have been nice to teach Kiki more plant and potion magic before she left to go to the city and start out on her own. The interesting thing is that when Kiki focuses too much on making a living, her magic seems to falter, implying that her magic is directly connected to her emotions as well as her sense of self, which we talked about a little bit when we talked about Matilda how her big angry emotions causes her magic to manifest. Whereas with Kiki, when she gets too kind of like tied up in, I have to do these things, I have to be responsible, I have to do my delivery service, then her magic seems to peter out. You know, I hate to harp on a topic that we keep coming back to, but that reminds me a lot of one of my favorite characters from the X-Men, Longshot. Are you familiar with Longshot? I am familiar with Longshot. Longshot, while not technically a mutant, joins the X-Men because they're the first people he meets when he's on Earth, basically. And he has sort of magical luck powers. Uh He has either extremely good or extremely bad luck. And which one he receives is dependent upon his intentions. So if he is pure of heart and noble-intentioned, and in it for the greater good, nothing but wonderful things happen to him. Mm-hmm. And so, like, women are charmed by him, and he's, like, always winning at casinos, and, like, every throw he does, like, makes its target perfectly. He's spectacular. But then the moment he starts to get a little, like, wrapped up in himself, and he's like, hey, things are going well, let me, like, do some fun stuff, then everything just goes to hell. <laughs> there was a great miniseries a couple of years ago, Longshot Saves the Marvel Universe, I think it was. And it was all about how, like, a couple of decisions he makes to try to better his life just wind up screwing everything up. The whole Longshot concept is incredible to me. And there's something about Longshot that makes my brain hurt a little bit to think about it. Like, I can't, he, he must walk around all day long with, like, a migraine just trying to figure out like okay do I want this because I want this for like a good reason or is it really for like is there no such thing as altruism like I feel like it would be a very philosophical I don't know maybe that's just me and like once he thinks about it enough that he realizes which decision will be altruistic he's kind of doing it for himself and therefore it's no longer altruistic Longshot is not a witch though no he's not because he he is a dude and therefore that immediately does not check off the boxes speaking of boxes let's move on to box number three how does kiki practice feminism if at all so uh kiki's delivery service is one of the most feminist children's films ever what's interesting about the feminism in this film to me mostly is how the love interest interacts with kiki so there's this boy in town tombo who's immediately taken with kiki when she flies into the city but mostly he seems interested in her because she is really good at flying which is a pastime he's also passionate about he works really hard to get to know kiki more than that and they develop a really great friendship i'd encourage everyone to google kiki's delivery service feminism and take a read at the first few articles because there's been a lot written about this topic way more than i could possibly cover right now 
But suffice it to say that Kiki is super feminist, and so is this great movie. Yeah, a lot of the Miyazaki movies tend to feature very strong but realistic young female leads. So the fourth law of witchery is coming from a place of misunderstanding or persecution. Can you tell me if and how Kiki is misunderstood or persecuted? Yeah, so when Kiki first lands in her town, and I'm going to use the word land very loosely because actually she flies in and uh, loses control of her broom and cause, almost causes a multi-car pileup. She's immediately chased after by the police. She's an ignored or shunned by the townsfolk and is in general pretty bereft. It isn't until Kiki starts working as a delivery girl that she starts getting accepted into the fold of the town more. And even at that, she's still kind of a figure that's on the fringes. So tell me if I'm right. I'm guessing you're a witch in training. You're right. And I really love it here, but people don't seem to like witches in this town. Depends on the people. Now take me, for instance. I just met you, and I know I like you. The fifth and final law of witchiness is that the witch in question be bonded to a sentience. Is Kiki bonded to a sentience larger than herself? Okay, so technically, no, she doesn't seem to be. But I'm going to use this part of the segment to explain my personal headcanon that Kiki, and also I'm going to include Matilda in this, that Kiki and Matilda are satanic witches. Oh, snap, it's about to get interesting, y'all. <laughs> so some context for those unfamiliar with Satanism. I'm talking specifically about Satanism as codified by Anton LaVey. Satanism commands study and not worship, so I would encourage listeners unfamiliar with this religion to do some research and check it out. Satanism is a left-hand path philosophy, again, Google is your friend. And the left-hand path advocates not for bonding with a sentience, but for ultimately self-deification. Kiki strikes out on her own as per which tradition. She uses her experiences to find herself and cut a path all her own, which is part of satanic philosophy, that kind of fierce individualism. She uses something in satanic witchcraft specifically called the Law of the Forbidden on her love interest Tombo by effectively refusing to talk to him and by saying, Thank you for getting me out of trouble, but I really shouldn't be talking to you and you want to know why? It's very rude to talk to a girl before you've been introduced and before you know her name. Hmm. So by shutting him down, she helps to pique his interest, and that's a part of lesser magic that is used in satanic witchcraft a lot. She is an individualist, as I mentioned. She's an entrepreneur. She takes another cue from lesser magic in the very beginning of the film where she says, They're looking at it. I know. Smile so we make a good impression. <laughs> to manipulate the opinions of the city folk. Again, research lesser magic and bend people to your will. Basically, Kiki is a satanic witch, and while she isn't bonded to ascensions, I think she's totally down with Satan, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if she's got a bathomet in her bedroom. You know what? That makes perfect sense. When you told me initially the premise, uh -huh. I was a little worried about where it was going to go, but uh -huh. that makes perfect sense, and I'm into it. Yeah, and bringing it back around to Matilda, that's the thing that I feel like Matilda would have in common with Kiki in my personal headcanon where Kiki's a Satanist, is that there's this sense of learning as much as you can, and that sense of needing to grow as an individual person and seeking the heights of your own personal achievements. And I think 
For Matilda, that's directly related to study and learning and education, which is one way to go about that. And for Kiki, it's about figuring out how to be a witch all on her own, forge her own path. The really jerky witch that she passes by when she first sets out on her journey is actually headed back to her own hometown because she went and was like her own witch in her in the in the big city for a while and then she was going to go back home and like settle down i guess and kiki doesn't seem to have any intentions of doing that kiki really wants to move ahead and forge ahead and have her own path and i mean what other witches do you know have a delivery service? Uh, that's none too many. But yeah, that's part of what makes Kiki so exciting is that she is really just on a constant forward path. She never really looks backward. She never really has plans to return to a state she had been in before. She's always moving forward. Absolutely. And I think the interesting thing too about satanic witchcraft in particular is that a lot of those tenets are based around you know, Anton LaVey's time spent being uh, in the circus because he, he worked in the circus for quite a long time. So like carnival barkers and like the whole idea of like casting a mark and cold reading people and all of that. He uses all of those experiences to outline um, the types of magic that are part of his religious system. And as I said, there there's a lot of sense that you get from her that she understands that you need to present a certain face to people in order for them to feel a certain way about you. Like when she says that you, know, you need to smile so people will like you. And she knows that being a witch is something that is important, but is also something that could be a detriment to her. So she struggles with that, those two things. So yeah, I think Kiki could probably be a Satanist. And again, because Satanists, as far as the Anton LaVey Satanists, they don't subscribe to the idea of there being a literal Satan or any kind of larger sentience that you need to bond to. The idea, again, Satanism specifically, but left-hand path in general, is to separate yourself from everything and become this fierce individual and refine and hone and grow to the point where you can ultimately become uh, achieve a sense of godhood on your own right from my understanding it's about a greater sense of self yes which i think you can argue that for both kiki and matilda yeah it makes perfect sense i'm not sure matilda wants to raise herself to godhood but again, I don't know what happens after the book ends. She has a whole life after that. She has a whole life after that. Maybe she does go a Satanist path. Who knows? It makes perfect sense considering her arc so far. Mm -hmm. So now mm -hmm. that we've got our two kid witches presented and we've, we've made our case for the five laws, let's discuss inviting them into our coven. Which one of these two witches, if you could, if you could only invite one into your coven, mm. which would it be? Would it be Kiki or would it be Matilda? This is a really hard question this week because both are so adorable. Because they're both, both adorable? And have really great strengths that they could add to a coven, right? Because Kiki can fly. She's got a talking cat. But Matilda... She's really smart. She's read a lot of stuff. She can move things with her mind. 
I don't know. I feel like knowing how generally bookish you are,、mm-hmm. you would get along with Matilda splendidly. I feel like I feel like that too. There's a part of me, like a mom part of me, that wants to invite Matilda into my coven because I want to take her like under my wing and be like, "Come join the dark side with me and read all these great books and become an even better witch in my coven, where everything's great." And nobody says don't read something. Everybody says do read, some- do read the thing, read the thing. And similarly, as much as I do love Matilda, I also enjoy being sort of aloof and a goofball and getting my kite fl- stuck in trees. So in that regard, I'm a little bit more drawn to Kiki. Yeah, that makes sense. She could help you get that kite down.、Mm-hmm. But she also sometimes gets herself stuck in trees. She does, or in、um, clock towers. Well, now that we've done our coven recruitment, we can go to our favorite after coven night spot, the Cauldron Cabaret. If you have a nightcap at the Cauldron Cabaret, is it pointy with a large brim? Yes, <laughs> I, love, I love a good hat joke. So, how do you feel both Kiki and Matilda would interact at the Cauldron Cabaret? Well, so here's the thing: both of these, both of these witches are not of age. Yes, they are decidedly. Underage when we check in on them. Do we need to have a, a kitty corner? Do we need to have a play place? <laughs> They, you know what? There should, you know what? There's going to be an all ages night. So you were into punk music in your teen years, right? A goth, yeah, some punk, mostly goth. Yeah. Oh, okay. Because I remember a lot of my friends were into punk, and there was definitely a scene for all ages punk. Oh, there was an all ages goth scene too. Okay, shampoo、cool. on Wednesday nights in Philadelphia. See you there. See, I liked goth music, but there wasn't a goth scene in my school and whatnot, so I didn't know about those concerts. But I grew up with a lot of like skater punks. Mm-hmm. And they were very much、mm-hmm. into that. So I remember going to like Catch Twenty Two and Pilferers concerts that were all ages, and like they would stop the mosh pit as soon as it started. They were like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! Be careful! Let's enjoy the music." <laughs> no, I used to go. I used to. Oh God, I used to sneak out of the house on Wednesday nights and go with my friends an hour out of town to get to Philadelphia to go to Shampoo and see Crew Shadows. But yeah, we would go to all ages goth night, and it was ridiculous. Okay, so think about those types of all ages events that you went to.、Mm-hmm. How do you feel Kiki and Matilda would interact at those types of venues,、hmm. assuming that all of the other people there understood magic、mm-hmm. and, and were not afraid of it? Yes, and they were all also witches. Well, and there were still free snacks. And there were still free snacks. See, the thing is, I think that they would do great with the when the spellmans are handing out free snacks. I think that the biggest concern would probably be the Sandersons and the whole eating children thing. I don't know if that extends to witch children. You know what I'm saying? Like that could be dangerous. Well, therein lies the question. So the Sandersons find the children they're going to eat by sniffing them out.、Yes. Do witch children give off a different odor than? Muggle children. I would assume so, but see, I don't know, and I don't necessarily want to put our little witchlings in danger. Because at this point, we've largely established that witchery is genetic; it's in the blood, it's in the DNA, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that could affect the pheromones. It could affect the overall smell of the child. Totally, I'm into that. I, I totally, I'm totally into that argument. I'm going to presume that witch children smell different from Muggle children, 
and therefore the Sandersons, while tempted to eat Kiki and Matilda, would understand that it would not work out for them. Right, right. Yeah, I think that that's good. I feel like more likely the Sandersons would try to, this might be the wrong word, but seduce Kiki and Matilda to their dark and wicked ways Mm -hmm. and try to convince them that good magic is stupid. Right. And therefore come join the dark side and enjoy all of the evil we can do. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, I think given the right tunes and the right snacks, I think they would both have a really fun time. Yeah, come to think of it, at least in the movie, Matilda does love to get down to some jazz and like 80s pop. Nice. So she'd be down for for a little bit of rocking out. Yeah, and Kiki is very adventurous and doesn't seem to be, you know, put off by going outside of her comfort zone. So I think that she would see the Cauldron Cabaret as a good opportunity to learn and explore and do something new. She would probably enjoy it. She would probably have an open mind because she's a Satanist. Hell yeah. I also think Matilda's poker trick would be really fun when she makes all the cards and poker chips fly around in a circle. Oh, yeah, Satana would love that. Oh, I hadn't even thought about Satana doing it. With Satana and also obviously Hermione and uh, Matilda would be like best buds. They would, but now I'm imagining what elaborate trick Matilda and Satana would have together that would culminate with, is this your card? (laughs) Yes. Because that now has to happen. That now has to happen. We need to start making our own fan art. (laughs) You and I need to start doing fan art for our own podcast. Okay. That sounds good. I'm just thinking about the cultural folkloric historical precedent for kid witches. I mean, the, the, the interesting thing is like the witch trials in... United States seem to be centered around the testimony of young girls, right? And young girls kind of pointing the finger at each other. Right. I saw so-and-so consorting with the devil. Whereas like these young witches, we don't really see them interact too much with other witches, right? Because Matilda doesn't interact with other witches, does she? Yeah, nobody else in Matilda has any sort of powers. She gets along very well with the other kids in school, at least in the movie. In the book, there is the one girl who's kind of a bully, but that's it. Right. And like with Kiki, you see her talking to other witches. Her mom is a witch. There's the other girl that she passes who's a big jerk. But the thing is, that girl is a jerk, but Kiki is not. Kiki's like totally supportive and like totally impressed and happy for and excited about this other girl witch. And I think that that's one of the things that I like about these specific portrayals of kid witches is that they aren't pointing the finger at each other. They aren't in some sort of weird competition. Like the ladies of the craft were in a kind of weird competition. Whereas it doesn't feel to me like both Kiki and Matilda would be that kind of witch. They're much more uplifting and supportive and they have a stronger sense of sisterhood, despite the fact that, you know, they don't interact with too many other witches. Yeah, based on the way Matilda interacts with the other kids, at least in the movie, her best friend Lavender, she straight up says like, of course, I'm not going to tattle on you. You're my best friend. And that's what we do. Like, I think what you're doing is great. I'm going to help you. And I'm going to like lower you down from the ceiling very gently. And Brucey, she stands up during the assembly and cheers Brucey on when everybody else is worried he's going to barf from eating all the cake. She is very supportive of all of her friends regardless of what they're doing in life, regardless of whether they might be in trouble, regardless of whether they're doing possibly bad things, she's generally like very upbeat and supportive of all the kids that she considers to be 
her friends. She's also supportive of just people in general, but specifically her friend group. She sort of bolsters them on. And so I think if she were to meet another young woman with powers similar to her own, she would be excited. She would be supportive. She would show what she could do. And they would sort of compare notes. They might learn from one another. I think they would get along splendidly. I think everything would be wonderful. And that's why kid witches are great. Because when everything else is terrible around you, like the country that we're in right now, these kid witches can come in with their little magic and their uplifting and supportive spirits and make you feel good about the world again. So that seems like a good place to wrap things up for this episode of Which Witch is Which? Now that you've heard what we have to say, what do you think? Who would you invite into your coven? Let us know at witchwitchcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at witchwitchcast. That's W-H-I-C-H-W-I-T-C-H-C-A-S-T. We'll be back just in time for Winter Solstice on December 21st. Don't anger the gods by missing another episode. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, all the places podcasts exist. Until next time, is this your car?